0: Amen. All right, chapter 25 of the confession dealing with the church. 25.1, the invisible church, known only to God because only God can see the heart, right? The 25.2, the visible church, people that we can see known to God as well. God obviously can see but there will be those that God will say even though they were in the church they were doing good things God will say depart from me i never knew you those are the people we're talking about in the visible church profess to be believers but they've never accepted Christ okay Third paragraph, the functioning church, the ministry given to the church, the tools given to the church, and the power, the source of the power, the presence of Christ, the help of the Holy Spirit, to use the tools to carry out the ministry. Right? Critical. Then 25.4, the fluctuating church, and that's where we are. Church, sometimes more visible, less visible, sometimes more pure, less pure. And we've looked at several things, and I'm not going to go through all those again. I do want to repeat two of them. One of them is how we are in prayer. Prayer, I mentioned last week, prayer, just my way of thinking about it. Prayer is our conscious undertaking to talk to God about things in our life. Right? If you pray, you've got to be thinking. And hopefully you've engaged your heart in it as well. So what you're thinking about in, in particular at that time is what you're talking to God about. Right? So it's making you come into God's presence. Or it's your, I say making you, it's your desire to come into God's presence and talk to him about things, what's going on in your life? Maybe what's going on in the life of others? Praying for the salvation, praying for the church, praying, you know, praying for those in authority over you, right? God's given us things we're to pray for. And when we pray, we are consciously engaging in doing what God's told us to do. We're inviting God take note, and to help us, right? Prayer, our attitude, our use, our praying or our lack of praying comes into play. The second one that we've talked about that I want to mention is our attitude toward God's word, what we were just talking about with the memory passage. Oh, how love I thy law. We know it's profitable. Second Timothy tells us that profitable for everything we need in our life, right? Reading God's Word is as much a conscious act as praying. It's just reversing what's happening. When you're praying, you're taking things to God. When you're reading God's Word, you're listening to what God says to you, right? So praying in the Word of God are obviously so critical so critical critical for the church critical for the church and that's why if you get a church that's not preaching god's word not making use of it if there's a loss of the understanding and and the the use of the emphasis on praying there's going to be a problem the church is not likely be very visible if we aren't praying to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to use the tools God's given us to do the ministry, is it? So those two things. And then we got to charity. So turn back to 1 Corinthians for a minute. We, we read that last week, and I'm not going to read through it again, but I do want to call something to your attention. 1 Corinthians 13, a familiar passage. That deals with love. And I just want to to note that in verses 1 through 3. Okay? Look at at 1 through 3. And look at how many times I is used. Though I speak. I am become. Verse 2. I have the gift. Still in verse 2, I have all faith. I could remove mountains. I am nothing. Verse 3, I bestow. I give. Right? So certainly here, God is intending for us in this passage to take note as to what's going on in our life. It's all about I. Now, I was talking to Reverend Tomasian. Last week, because in his preaching, the subject of love came up two or three times. He mentioned, right? And I was just talking to him. I said, you know, we were preaching from the same book. uh, Teaching, I was teaching. You were preaching from the same book. And um, I mentioned 1 Corinthians 13. He said, you know, what I do at times is I take, and and you can look here, starting with verse 4. Every time it says charity. Put your name in there. Tim Far suffereth long in his kind. Tim Far envies not. Tim Far vaunteth not himself, is not puffed up, does not behave himself unseemly, doesn't seek his own, is not easily provoked, he thinks no evil, he rejoices not in iniquity but rejoices in the truth. He bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things. He endures all things. He never fails. Wow. And obviously, it's one of those passages you don't even get past the first thing. You say, whoops. Not, not true of me. Not certainly. To the extent it should be. It needs to be. Right? but it should be. Why should it be? Because that's the fulfillment of the moral law. That's how you do it. If you aren't doing it that way, you aren't doing it right, or you aren't doing it at all. That's why, again, it's so important that we understand what this matter of love is. It's, it's quite easy to talk and say, well, loving God and loving our neighbor is fulfillment of the moral law. question is, what does it mean to love God and love our neighbor? There's what it means. Right? And you can go back through and, and look at that some more. Turn over, if you would, to Romans 13. Um, and again, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, Romans 13. Um, and let's look at verses 8 through 10. O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath what. Fulfilled the law. Just what we've been saying. He hath fulfilled the law. The moral law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, take note. Here hear your commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely... The summation, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So, loving is... Fulfilling the requirements of God's law as to God and as to everyone about us. In the relationships that we're in, in the manner that God's word says we are to fulfill. That is, loving your spouse is is one relationship with a love that is designed for that relationship. Loving the person that lives next to you. All right, is a relationship with the type of love that basically is is just a, a loving, a caring about being concerned about the good of a fellow man. You don't have to be a Christian. Right? And we'll see that here in a little bit. Fulfilling the requirements of God's law toward all persons in all our relationships. Right? Pretty, pretty clear. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. You know, and I don't know, you, you, it's one of those things that you can't describe, and I trust you've experienced it, because once you do But the experience, let me just, before I keep going, what it is to love someone in a given situation as God has commanded. And you know that God has helped you. Right? You know that God's helped you. Because you can't love, period. Apart from Christ. God is love. And if you're going to know love. Your ability to love. Was lost in Adam. You can do nice things. Okay. And, and there is. There are things that we would characterize. As acts of love. But. The love that scripture talks about comes only and, and we'll see some scripture that, that deals with this in a little bit but once you've experienced it you'll understand just how how good it makes you feel and you don't do it to make you feel good but it's the satisfaction of knowing you're pleasing God which is enjoying God. And you've known God's help in a situation that apart from that, very likely would have gone an entirely different way. So, loving is God has commanded. And obviously, we have to know God's word to know what that is. All right, turn to Matthew. Chapter 5, and, and there, there are going to be other passages perhaps that we could, you could look at, and I'm not trying to be totally exhaustive here, but I do want to be enough to where we touch on enough things that we get the message. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, verses 43 through 45. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. All right, now that's not what God's word, loving your neighbor, is. Hating your enemy is what people were teaching or saying, perhaps even some of the religious leaders. But God says, Christ says, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Hmm. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just, and on the unjust. Let's just finish it out. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? I mean, it's easy to love somebody that loves you, isn't it? They're loving you, you reciprocate as a rule. Certainly it's easy to do that. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Okay. Talk to one another? Yeah, okay. Verse 48 Be therefore perfect, complete, mature, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect in the matter of love. Loving even our enemies. Loving those that despitefully use you. our enemies, those that are hateful to us. Those who are Satan like in their actions toward us. Alright, that's the idea behind this word. They're your foe. Certainly we think of enemies. Satan is being our enemy. Now we obviously aren't praying for Satan. But what we get here is an idea of People's actions, what what the scripture here is dealing with, the kind of actions against us. People who would do us in. Who want to just rip us apart. If we were dead, they would be happier for it. That's who you're praying for. Right? That's who you are living. Now, again... How you pray, obviously you aren't praying because you approve of what they're doing. But again, what's the prime example of this type of action? Who and where? Is it not Christ on the cross? Could you find... A more apt application of this passage than Christ praying, Father, forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. Why don't they know what they're doing? Because their hearts are sinful and evil. They are under the control of their father, the devil. So, Father, have mercy upon them. Save them, if it be your will. That would be our prayer. Lord, they don't know what they're doing. As a matter of fact, when you're praying, you very well, they say, Father, I didn't have a clue what I was doing either at one time. I'd have been right there in their shoes. What was the difference? God's mercy. God's love. Any reason why you and I shouldn't be just as Christ like in dealing with our enemies? If you can't, pray for your enemies. Take a look at your heart. You know, when we think about loving, we're usually thinking about someone and even the summary of the commandments. Loving God, loving our neighbor. Right? And, and so we We generally a lot of times want to take and how do we apply love in relation to these other people or in relation to God. I would suggest to you that love, the real aspect of love, is not how you deal with other people. It's going to have an impact on that. But love is how you deal with yourself. That is, what bothers you? How do you respond? Once you've dealt with your heart toward others, you've considered the situation. Now you're ready to respond. Now you're ready to act. If love doesn't make you deal with your own heart first, you're gonna have a hard time loving. Because that love has to come from your heart. So, as we as we think about it and deal with it, again, don't make it applicable to your relationships First, make it applicable to your heart as then you are involved in those relationships and then see how your heart now acts or responds or reacts or whatever the situation may be to those relationships. Why did the psalmist... So love God's law. What made him, granted the Holy Spirit leading, but what was going on in his heart? Was it not the love for God out of his heart? He understood what God had done for him in giving him the law. He understood how critical it was. He understood how good it was for him to have that law and to obey it. His heart had considered, what is it about this law? That's why it puzzles me. It puzzles me about anybody who just can't stand it when you talk about keeping the moral law. Ah, uh, you're, you're legalistic. Really? Do, do, you not, do you not love God's law? Anybody that says that doesn't have a clue of what the psalmist was talking about. Not a clue. But it's got to start right here. If you don't love God's word, it's not going to impact you the way we read in the memory passage. So make sure we, we use it and, and we, we, make it, we make full use of it. It is going to affect those relationships. Let's just make sure it affects us first so that we can respond in those relationships the way we need to. Love here in Matthew 5 is a, is, is a social or moral in a moral sense, a social or moral sense, the, the idea of despitefully there in, where am I? I hate you, despitefully, can't find it now. Yeah, verse 44, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And persecute you, despitefully there, is in a threatening way, an insulting way, a slanderous way. They're, they're falsely accusing you. All right? So those are the kind of people you are praying for and persecute there. The idea of persecuting is they're pursuing you, whether it's literally or figuratively. The, the word could be both. They're pursuing you to do you harm. To you're praying for. That's who you're praying for. To express God's love through you for them. And then in verse 48, the perfect there is the idea of complete or mature. All right. Now turn over to First John. Yes. 522. And um, if you back up to verse 21, you've heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, um, fool vain person my margin says vain fellow shall be in danger of the council but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire okay right and and again love doesn't love doesn't mean we ignore wrongdoing right we 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 the world, you, God loves everybody, and the ramification that they want to believe is what: that God's never going to judge anybody; that He loves them all, Not, notwithstanding their sin, no matter what they do. You know, that um, love is is a should make you willing to forgive, forget everything. And it should let you deal with it and still be Christ-like in everything you do, in your relationships. Love. What is one of the ways that we're told God shows his love? Whom God loves, he what? Jason's. Right? He punishes. It's like you love your children, but you punish them if they do wrong. But if you you punish them, you still love them. Don't quit loving them. And how we go about punishing should be tempered by our love. You know, and unfortunately, I think we learn a whole lot more about what love is as we grow older, and hopefully so. But it would be nice if we kind of had all the experience that develops helps us develop a good understanding, if we had all that when we were 20 or 25 and we're dealing with our children. But it gives you some idea, all right? You don't ignore it. Christ. Christ went in the temple. And he he didn't, oh, I love you. I love you money changers. You know, you're you're such a, uh, you're a little misguided. Don't maybe fully appreciate what you're doing. No, that's not what he did. But what was it that we're told in the scripture caused him to do that? It was the love of what his father's house consumed him. They were making a mockery of the person of God. You've turned my father's house into a place of commerce. It's supposed to be a place of prayer. His heart. Consumed with the love for God, his Father. Right? And you can do that if you're that consumed with God's love. We're not likely to be, but Beth... Well, God is going to judge them. Yeah, so God is going. So, could you pray for God to judge them? No, we've got a psalm that's certainly full of praying for God's judgment uh, on the wicked. Now, what's the motivation for that prayer? See, that's where it comes back to. If you dealt with your heart first, if your heart's desire is to see God's vengeance on them, then no, I don't think it's proper for you to pray that way. If your desire is that God, they're making a mockery of your name because they're doing this to me because I'm a Christian, because I've said, I've I've shared the gospel with them. But if you want God to take them out of the way so you're not bothered with them, no. No. Jordan. So, and what what commandment are we dealing with there? Because again, love's the fulfillment of the law. We've been, I believe, it's the one we're doing in our service right now, in our morning service. Not bearing false witness. What are we willing to receive and accept? So you see, I mean, you stop and... You start looking at the commandments, and you start looking at love, and that's why I say, again, I, th- I think your illustration, and, and Jordan was saying it's a lot easier to accept and, and when something, somebody does something bad and is somebody that we, we, we weren't exactly fond of. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that there was a lot of animosity in our heart for it, but uh-huh, we thought they were kind of like that. I I knew, I knew. But if it's said about someone we know and love No, no, that, that, that can't be true. I'm not I'm not gonna believe that. I, I'm gonna have to know a whole lot more before I'll accept that. Well, again, I think that again reflects on our heart. See, love love makes me well, let me How am I responding and why am I responding? And am I responding in a way that's an example of a Christ like love? All right. Well, my time's gone. We're going to look at 1 John next next week to finish up this. 1 John is just full of it, okay? Full of things about love. You want to. Read through it, read through it, and just note. Love, this, love is this, love is this. And a lot of a lot of things about love that we'll pick up in 1 John. Okay. And again, I mean it struck me. maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe I needed to hear it a lot more, but it struck me and hang on a minute, Jack, um, just this aspect of love. And how, how critical it is to the functioning of the church and to me functioning as a, a Christian. Jack? I
1: hesitate.
0: Y'all think about that, because I'm out of time. But remind me, if you would, Jack, next week, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Right? It's a good question. It's a good question. I would suggest that it going against every fiber in your body is it's every Adamic fiber of your body. It doesn't go against every fiber that's of God. But it takes quite, it it takes a knowledge of the love of God. I've said it before. If you've got a question about anything, the first thing you do, if you're not sure, you just stop and think about God's love for you and what that looks like as best you can understand it then you start dealing with these situations. And again, I, 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 I get as far as the cross. Sometimes I don't get that far. But I get as far as the cross, and I see Christ and his attitude and what he's doing. I don't, I don't know what you can do beyond that. Now, Christ. This is the same Christ that referred to these people as white and sepulchres. That told them they were going to be judged. So look at it in context. Look at those Psalms. Look at when he's praying. What what the end goal is of David in making those prayers. Right? But it's good. Because, again, this is exactly my point in in the emphasis here. This is not natural to us. Not at all. As sinners, we're born that way. This is totally foreign to every fiber of our human body, as it were. Right? Good. All right, let's pray. Father, it's hard for us to understand these commandments, the commandment to love, to love our enemies. It's not, as it were, natural to us. In fact, it's seems so against everything about us. Father, we pray that you will give us such an understanding of the love of God that we know in and through Christ Jesus our Lord, that we can begin to, in some small way, understand and have a God-like love, a Christ-like love that lets us pray for our enemies, to pray for those that would abuse us. Lord, such a love must come from thee. It will never originate in ourselves, in our heart. So help us, Lord, by your Spirit, help us. To consider what love looks like and acts like, the kind of love that you tell us we should have, and then help us to employ it, to make use of it, to desire that our life, as others watch us, as they see us, they can see the love of God compelling us in our service and in our love for others. Be with us, we pray, in the rest of this day. Help us especially in the worship hour to follow. By your spirit, we pray. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen.